God is good, isn't he? He's so good, and God's just working, isn't he? You know, I say this often, and as a preacher, uh, so there's a whole nother level sometimes that, you know, we're, we're always working with things. God's always working on you, isn't he? He's always working. He's always trying to get you to another place. He wants to grow you. You're maturing. Um, and then uh, sometimes being a pastor, or, and you, you can experience it in your own life when you have people in your life that God's got you there praying for and working with, that there's this, this, this extra weight where you actually are caring and thinking about other people and their issues and their weights, and uh, it can be heavy at times, uh, and we are not meant to carry it, but we're meant to be aware that it's there so that we pray and so that we plead before the Lord so that we get before Him uh, and we stand in the gap, right? We're meant to stand in the gap for each other. We are meant, that's the Word, that's every single character in His Word, stood in the gap for others. There is not one character in the entire Bible that uh, God blessed for their selfish issues. Not one of them. Every single one of the characters that God was pleased with, there are many characters in the Word that did uh, fight for their own selfish desires, and God's not pleased with them, and He made us uh, aware of that, didn't He? And so I just, just today, I just, it is our last service before the new year, so I just have a few things in my heart, some things the Lord put on my heart for us, and I just want to bless you firstly. I just want to say again that Dawn and I love you guys, and we just want to bless you this year, bless you into 2020, and I want to say that first. I think that's so important that we do that, and, and even Old Testament, the priest would stand and he would bless the people, and it's so important, so I just want to pray a blessing on you, Lord. We just bless this church, this no-name church, Lord, and Lord, whoever's sitting here and wherever they're at, Lord, you know who's this church, who is gathered in, in this group of people. Lord, we just pray for them right now, a blessing upon them this year. Blessing and not cursing, Lord. Blessing. And in every single area that they've struggled, in every single area, Lord, where they have, have prayed, Lord, and have not seen prayers answered, and even hopelessness has come, I pray in the name of Jesus that this coming year, Lord, they're going to see some things come to fruition. They're going to see, Lord, your mighty hand upon their lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I just want to do that. I feel like that was important to do that for this year. And just bless you, and I want to end this year. I meant what I was just praying in prayer there, that we must end this year right, to get your hearts right before the Lord and to let Him sift through you. And, and it doesn't matter how holy and how righteous you are, we're never holy, we're never really righteous, are we? Uh, every single person that had an encounter with the Lord when the Lord unveiled Himself, right? What did it do? You can see in the Word, it caused them to fall on their face. Even ones you're like, man, Isaiah and Jeremiah, you know, guys like that who who had like such an intimate relationship with the Lord and spoke so true and their, and their prophecies are still unraveling and they're still coming to pass. And yet they uh, had such a humbling experience before the Lord when he showed himself to them. It broke them. It caused them to weep. It caused them to, to break before the Lord when, when they uh, uh, got into God's presence. So um, doesn't matter how much you've accomplished and how much God has done in you this year and how good you think you are in God this year, uh, there is more. 
There's always more. There's, and you get into his presence, and he's going to reveal the, the smallest, fine, little, tiniest things that you never thought mattered, and now they do because you're maturing, because you're growing, right? And we must do that. We must continue to do that. And so I just want you to uh, turn with me in your word to the book of Luke, chapter 21, and in verse 28. Luke chapter 21, verse 28, in the New King James, it says, it says, now when these things happen, it says, now when these things begin to happen, everybody say, when these things begin to happen, it says, look up, everybody say, look up, lift up your heads, everybody say, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. The Lord is speaking a word today. The Lord wants us to look up again. It's time to look up. It's time to lift up our heads. And uh, there's, there are seasons in God, right? Everything in God is seasons. Everybody say it's seasons in God, right? There are seasons. It's through the word, and it's very obvious God gave us even natural seasons to understand the seasons of the Lord, right? There are mountaintops. Everybody say mountaintops. And valleys low, right? And he promises us to take us through both of those places. Who loves being on the mountaintops with God, right? Who loves being in the valleys with God? Okay. But God is there with you. And uh, I want to say two things. Number one, we have to learn to love to be in the valley because God is there, because he's still there. But simultaneously, don't get sick in the valley, don't get helpless in that valley, know that you're also coming back up to another mountaintop, all right? It's constant mountaintops and valleys, it's seasons after season, but see, the seasons of planting are necessary for the season of harvest. If you didn't do the hard work of planting in the spring, especially hard ground, right? New ground is very hard. It's a lot of work, in fact, it's so much work and so much sweat and so much pain involved with no proof of anything that you've done of value. There's no proof. In fact, you can check it in the next season of summer, and if you did your spring right, it'll survive the summer. You roll into another season, and you still have very little proof. You might now have some buds growing, right? And you have, you have some things taking shape, but all that is right now is just a stalk. All it is is green, right? All that is right now is a plant. You know, okay, I planted something. Everybody say, I planted something. The seasons of the Lord are the, the hard work of planting the seeds of letting God do something, of doing what he's asked you to do, and then you roll into this next season of seeing some proof that, okay, I did something, but really you can't take anything from it. There's nothing there even still from that season except to see I planted something. Let's see what I did. Let's see how well it does. Let's see if it can survive all the way through this heat into finally the harvest season. But I want to preach to you that the harvest season is coming. That the Lord makes us go through things in our hearts. He allows 
the situations around you. He allows pressures. He allows weights. And one way or the other, you're going to get them. You can be rich. Now, money's not going to be your issue. Your issue. It might be your health. You can be healthy and have no money, and money's your issue. Whatever it is, that's not really important. All it is is just stuff around your life in this worldly, earthly realm that we think we need or we're desiring for or we're dealing with that causes us to realize that it's not me, that I really don't have much power in myself I really don't have much strength in myself, and the Lord allows it so that we look to Him and trust in Him and Him alone. And finally, if you have done that and done that and done that with very little sign of any progress, you start to see a little hope. Amen? And yet, it can still seem so hopeless because you can't take anything from it. There's still no fruit from it. There's a little bit of hope, but it can still seem hopeless because you're like, yeah, but I need the fruit of it now. I want it finished now. I want to reap the harvest of it now. And I believe the Lord just sent a, sent a word today to look up. Lift up your head. Today's the day to lift up your head, to look up because your redemption draws near. I believe that in the hearts of this church and maybe in listening in the, on the podcast and, and many in this church are not here today physically, and I pray that this touches their hearts, whether they hear it or not. I just pray for them. We pray for them as their church, but I also pray as they listen, if that's the way that they're going to get this word. I pray for you right now that you have hope in your hearts, that you look to the Lord again, that a hopelessness came. I feel like I, I can just sense in the spirit there was like a hopelessness, and, and actually you may not even have been able to put your finger on it. You didn't even know that it was hopelessness, but you just felt like, blah, or whatever. Or I'm just trying to get through. I'm just doing what it takes. This is what it takes. This is what I've got to do. I've got to get through this, and I've got to get through that, and I've just, I've just got to endure, or whatever. But the heavy, weighty, amazing love presence of God was a little bit further these last months. Or even year for you, maybe. Maybe it's been years, but that the Lord's presence is coming again. It's, it's, it's always there, except that there's so much stuff around us that the Lord is clearing away. It's kind of like a, a diamond down inside a great mine, right? You got to get down deep inside of that mountain or to get the gold out of the mountain, whatever precious the Lord calls those things in us, the things that are developed in us, the things that last into eternity, calls them gold, silver, and precious stones. And all of those things, they have to be sought out. They have to be searched for. They have to be worked. And so the Lord has been working on us, and it feels like, God, where are you? It feels like, God, you've abandoned me. God, you've forsaken me. You're still aware he's there. You still know God's doing something, because you can see a little bit of bud of something. It's not quite the, the black soil. Of, of, of nothingness. There's a little bit of bud, a little bit of hope. You know God is God. You're not going to deny God. The devil's been trying. I just sense in the spirit that the devil's been trying to even bring such doubt that you don't even believe that God exists. I'm your pastor here, and, and I'm not elevating myself, but 
still the position that God put me in and everybody expects me to be perfect. And the devil's been bombarding me with those thoughts that God doesn't even exist. Not just that he's not faithful or he's not going to come through for you, but that he doesn't even exist. Now, I'm not listening to those, but if I'm hearing those thoughts, I mean, I'm strong enough, thank God, by his word and by the spirit, I'm just not going to listen. But I'm hearing those things in the spirit. I'm picking those words up. God's not real. God doesn't exist. And if he does, which God? Those are the types of things that I'm hearing in the, that in the spirit realm that he's been trying to like dart to attack the church, to attack his people. If I'm hearing them, again, I'm pushing them aside. I'm not going to believe those things. I know that that's garbage. I believe choose to believe his word. But that means that those that don't really, they haven't grabbed a hold of the spirit of the Lord and haven't grabbed a hold of their word, they're just going to be washed away. So quickly and so easily, and I believe that's what's been happening in this time, just a season of doubt and unbelief, a season of heaviness, a season of confusion, a, a season of, of frustration to get you your eyes off of Jesus, get your eyes on the situation, and as soon as we do that, it seems logical, right, to put your eyes on the situation because it's the situation that needs help, but it's really the most illogical thing to do. The thing to do is leave the situation alone and look to the Lord. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus and let him do it. In fact, that's what the word says. It says to us in Hebrews 12. Let's just turn there. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Who loves these verses? If you know these verses I'm about to read, they're some of the most encouraging verses for us as New Testament Post the cross, post the blood of Jesus, believers. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, come on, who knows these verses? Let's just read them in your spirit. You don't have to read them out loud, but read these words with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trip, trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We have to run a race of God. God has given us a race. It's a race from God. It's not even that God ordained it in the beginning of time, sin got in the way, and so it became a race. God created Adam and Eve in perfection. He created them in his image. He created them to have communion with him. He created them so that he could come uh, as free, freely and come and be with them. They were with him, and they were one. They were a reflection of him on this earth. This earth was an extension of the kingdom of God. The earth was an extension of heaven on earth without death, without pain, without suffering, without sin. And so sin got in the way, and it became this race. And the race is not that God's like, okay, let's see who's going to win, and let's see who can do it, and let me test you and, and try you and, and, and see uh, you know, how good you're going to do. But the race was put there because sin now is constantly trying because the enemy is trying to get us and we, so we're, we're we're pushing past and we're we're bypassing and we're dealing with this and we're dealing with that and that is a trying and that is a testing it's not from the lord the lord's using it say the lord's using it he's using it 
so that you then start to build up some speed. You start to build up some momentum. You start to realize, wow, God is for me. God, God does have a plan. It is the Lord who, who uh, is there for me and will not fail me. And, and so and it begins to give you strength and it begins to push you so that you will continue through to the end. And so it says, let us run with endurance. Now that's easy to say. Hard to do. Everybody say, that's easy to say. Hard to do. It's easy to run with endurance when you just had a power bar and you feel great. It's hard to run with endurance when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're struggling, when you feel like God has abandoned you, when you have doubt and unbelief and worry and fear in your heart. It's hard to have endurance. But that's the very moment we have to have endurance. That's when real endurance actually starts to work. And so we cannot do that, though, on our own. So there's a continuation of the sentence. It's not really a period as we go to verse 2. It tells us, verse 2, we do this, everybody say, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The NIV, I like the way the NIV says it. It says we fix our eyes. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus. And that's what has to happen in this time. You're going to have to make the choice, though, to fix your eyes and look to him. Jesus did everything for you, and he will continue to do everything for you. And there's, there's I, I hate to say this because it, I'm saying it in human words, but it's not really human. It's spiritual. He can't really do it for you. And yet he is doing everything for you. <laughs> And he's done everything for you. So you have to hear these words in your spirit, not in your mind. If you hear it in your mind, your mind says, I've got to do it. It's a work thing, but it's not a work thing. And yet he can't do it. You have to do it. You have to look to him. He says, okay, look, I gave you the earth. It's yours. Have dominion. I gave you life. I gave you breath. I gave you children. I gave you blessings. I gave you, gave you everything you need. It says to us clearly in the word that everything we need is in the Lord, that he's given us everything we need, that Jesus has given us everything we need, and so on. And so we have to realize that first. We have to come to that revelation, and that only comes by coming to Christ firstly. And then we have to remember it. Everybody say you have to remember it. And that's actually what these verses begin to say. How do you even fix your eyes on him? It's by remembering who Jesus is and remembering what Jesus did. But it says we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So there is, was an initiation, and that's when you came to him. But there's also a perfection. The Lord is perfecting our faith. The Lord is going to do it. The Lord is going to finish it. I want to give you hope today. I want to give you hope for 2020 that you're not going to stay in the battles you've been in forever. That there's hope that you're going to come through. That issues are going to be dealt with. That relationships restored. That people you've been praying for are going to get saved. That things that you've been asking and believing God for are going to come to pass. He's not a genie in a bottle. And he's certainly not Santa Claus at Christmas time. But he is God. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. He rules over everything, and there is nothing he cannot do. And whatever you've been deprived of, or whatever you feel like you've been forsaken of, or wherever you've been lacking, there's one answer. It's in him. 
It's in him, and you just keep looking to him and keep looking to him, and you don't stop looking to him. You don't look at your situation. You don't look at your lack, and you don't look at this thing that, you, that the enemy is trying to tell you that you don't have or that you need or whatever. You just keep looking to him till the very end, and he'll figure out everything else on the way. It says, because of the joy awaiting him. Now, this is amazing. I love these verses, and actually, I think I saw them in a brand new way. The verses really just explain themselves, and somehow I looked at them today, uh, uh, looked at them to bring them today in such a brand new way. Isn't that amazing about his word? That his word does, right? It says, it tells us in verse 1, listen, there's a race. If you try to be in denial that there's no race, you're going to lose. <laughs> Let's just establish the, establish the fact that there is a race. And it's not about your strength, and it's not about how good you run and how well you, you work out to run that race or how well you eat to run that race. There is a race. Let's just establish it, period. You can be in denial. That's fine. You're going to be last. And last is not you competing with your brothers and sisters. Last is hopefully you've run just enough to make it into eternity. I don't want to create a works thing, but let's just be realistic about this. Everything in this world, in fact, everything in your human nature is against you. You don't have to be taught that. As soon as you come to Christ, you realize that it is, you are literally walking, you are walking with a kite, <laughs> A real, actually, you know those, you know the big giant balloons, you know the big giant uh, um, kind of uh, parachutes that the, you know those 400 mile an hour, you know funny cars put out to slow them down. You're walking with one of those. You realize very quickly as soon as you come to Christ, you're trying to get somewhere that seems impossible to get to, because everything in this world including the devil, who is a ruler over that system, is opposing you. Every time you say, Lord, I'm going to love this person. Oh, Lord, I'm going to give you this. Lord, I want to give my time. I want to give my emotions. I want to give everything to you, Lord, and I'm just going to fully give myself to you. What do you experience the very next moment every single time? Opposition. Pressure. It's not God saying, okay, let's see if you mean it. It's the enemy. It's the system. It's the world you live in. It's even your own mind against you. And we must push through. It's not about, come on, this is a cliche Christianity phrase, but honestly, it's true. And I hate when people say it's not. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It really is. And with all the cliches aside, it's not for you to try to race, you know, to get somewhere in Christ. When you come to Christ, it's a race, but it is one step at a time, one day at a time. In fact, even one breath at a time. And the closer you get to eternity, the closer you get to walking that race the right way, the bigger that parachute seems to get. And you just have to keep inching towards the mark, inching towards eternity, inching towards him. And I'm telling you right now, if it seems too easy, then you're probably not on the right race. You might be on the wrong racetrack. If you're not experiencing opposition 
and pressure, you might not be setting your eyes on the right finish line. Because when I read my word, it says that Jesus, who is the author and finisher, and he's the perfecter of my faith, he ran a race that he told me to run, and it says that his race endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. It continues to say, verse 3, Think of all the hostility. Everybody say think. The word tells us here in Hebrews, and this is why I started to see this in a brand new light. Think. I could preach this like we just got to look at Jesus. Just set your eyes on him. He's going to do it. He's going to finish it. And that's not a lie. It's true. And yet it's also a decision that you must make in yourself. It's not as flippant and as simple as, let me just lay back, I'll just, I'm not going to worry about anything because Jesus has got it. Because that's foolish. In one respect, you're not in worry. Come on, I have to preach this to your spirit, not to your mind. If your mind hears me, you're going to say, well, that's the same thing. It's not a mental thing, it's a spirit thing. Right? Who, who can understand in your spirit that we can be flippant about the things of God. Meanwhile, we're not worrying, but we're not worrying enough. If you just think, well, I gave my life to Christ. He's got me. I'm just going to just ride on by, right into eternity. You're fooling yourself. Because it's just not what my word says. I wish I could tell you that. I'm not saying that it's, that it's you. I'm not saying that it's your strength. I'm still giving all the glory to Jesus, but my word tells me, and it shows me through every single one, the 11 disciples, come on, the 11 disciples that follow Jesus, between history and the word of God tells me that all 11 of them were martyred for Jesus Christ. All 11. Every single one of them. So that tells me that when I read these words, their lives, who were a direct descendant, so to speak, of the picture that Christ gave to us to live as Christians, they lived it and they paid for that price with the ultimate sacrifice of even their own life. So it tells us to think what we have to do as Christians is not just look flippantly at Jesus and say, well, Jesus did it. He's Christ. He conquered the devil. He's God. What can stop him? Yes, all those things are true. But also stop and think about what Jesus did, how he lived. Not just what he did for you, but as a picture, as a diagram to follow. It says to think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you, everybody say, then I won't. If I think about what he endured, it'll give me strength, not just saying, well, Jesus did it, but also, wow, if Jesus did that for me, and if Jesus had the power and he is in me, then I do have the power to do what he's asked me to do. 
And it says, then you won't become weary and give up. When we become weary, um, see, this is the hard thing to preach because in one respect, like I said, the opposition and the pressure is necessary because it gets us to look to him and to trust in him. At the same time, I don't want you to be burdened out. And I don't want you to be, uh, to be weary. There's like a pressure <laughs> that we need, but also we're not supposed to be weary. We should be aware that there is opposition against the message of Christ that I carry. Right? The message that you're carrying, the people that you're working with, they don't like to hear it. And you can feel that pressure, that opposition. But you shouldn't feel the weariness. When we do that, it tells us, yes, there's an opposition, but we're also trying to do it in our strength. The opposition's not going to go away, but we must do it in the Lord's strength. We must let him, we must get a picture, first of all, of what he did for us, but also what he is doing in us. Say, I must get a picture of what he is trying to do in me. It's not just for you. Yes, he did it for you, and you can't ever earn that. I say that every week. You cannot earn the salvation that he paid for you. You cannot earn his love. But we must walk out the life that is set before us. And if we do not walk it out with endurance, I promise you, you will continue to feel weary. You will continue to have that, that opposition and that pressure will keep crushing you. Jesus walked upon the wind and the waves. He did not cease them in that moment. There was another moment where he prayed and they stopped, but he walked upon them. There was pressure. There was opposition, and Jesus walked upon it. There must be something in us that is aware. Yes, the devil's trying to crush. He's trying to steal. He's trying to kill. He's trying to destroy. But my Lord came to give me life and life abundantly. We must come to a place where we know it, where we, where we live it. In fact, I just want to continue. I wasn't planning on it, but I'm going to stay here in Hebrews. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're just going to stay right there uh, because... I wasn't going to read these next verses, but it's the Holy Spirit leading us. Thank you, Lord. I just want to, I'm going to turn here in my Bible as well so we can follow together on the screen. So it says in verse 4, it says, it says, after all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin the new king james says you have not yet resisted unto blood see what this is talking about here in hebrews chapter 12 is not just that okay we just set our eyes on jesus and everything's going to be okay it's that we have to get 
We have to set our eyes on him, and we have to, if you have to keep reading his word over and over and over and over and over again of how good God is and how he finishes what he starts, and you got to get in your word, and you got to start to look at the characters of his word that meant everything was against them, and, and everything was even against Jesus, and even Satan thought he won, but Jesus had victory. you got to get a constant, you have to stop and think about who Jesus is, about the picture that he gave us, about the life that is possible to live, that he was able to live uh, in a human world as a spirit man. And if it's possible for him, it's possible for you. It's not just because he's Jesus, because our word tells us that he had to become fully human for his blood to equal your blood. So even though he was fully Jesus, every single thing he faced was fully human. He just chose to face them with his spirit instead of facing them with his flesh. Do you understand what I mean? That means when you have an issue in your heart, and, and John and I here, we're about to fight, and, and he's about, he throws the first punch and hits me in the cheek. I choose to do what Christ says, and I turn the other cheek instead of clenching my fist, which would be putting me in the flesh and be having a flesh war. And who knows what flesh against flesh does what? Just creates a big, giant mess. Flesh reaps flesh. We need to turn to the Spirit and love and grace and mercy. And I'm telling you, it'll be the hardest year of your life. It's going to be harder than you've ever experienced before. Don't think it's going to get easy. It's going to get harder to your flesh, that is. But if you will choose to listen to the Spirit of the Lord this year, and I'm telling you, turn that other cheek to forgive, to have grace, to have mercy. If you choose, that's what looking to Christ is. It's not just, oh, Jesus did it. I'm just going to look to him. What does that even mean, looking to him? Just means you getting up and having a little quiet time with him and having some worship with him and then driving to work and fighting with your coworker. That's not looking unto Jesus. But looking unto him is when if you truly are looking unto him and you truly trust him, then you will trust for him to do what he did in his own life in you and through you. That's truly looking unto him. I think we've missed it as believers and we say, I'm just going to look to him. He's got so much mercy and he has grace and I'm just going to repent at the end of every day for how I treated the people around me. That's not looking unto him. But he wants to walk you through that day. You'll still be repenting by the end of your day. But walk you through that day with him inside you. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this? It says, verse 5, and, and this is why I wanted to just show you that this is all about you, that I find in my word that the characters that accomplish the most amazing things for God in my Bible, they came to a place where they trusted God no matter what. We cannot trust Him only when it's easy. We cannot trust Him only when things go our way. We cannot give love only when we receive love. We cannot forgive only when they say, I'm sorry. But they found this place inside them that said, I'm going to trust God no matter what. And so He said, 
verse 5, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. So this is interesting. Hebrews 12 is telling us to run this race. It's telling us to look unto Jesus. And then it tells us to think about what he did. And then it seems like it comes out of left field here. All of a sudden, now we're talking about the Lord disciplining us. And you have to see that this is all connected. These are not two separate thoughts. It's not just look to the Lord and now I want to talk to you about something else. But I want you to realize something. What he's saying is, don't get frustrated. Don't get overwhelmed. Remember how Jesus, remember how Jesus endured the cross. So that as you're going through your issues, it's not just, oh, he did it, so I'm free, but he did it, I can do it. Everybody say, he did it, I can do it. It says that Jesus endured, I can endure. It literally says you need endurance, and then it says Jesus endured the cross. What the scriptures are telling us is, is that you've been selling yourself short by just saying, well, I'm just going to repent. I'm just going to have my way. I'm just going to deal with this fight my way. I'm going to have a little bit of worry, a little bit of uh, weariness, and a little bit of struggle, and a little bit of fear, and then I'll, just, then I'll just deal with God when I can't do it on my own. And I realized again, and again, and again, and again. And the Lord's there every time. Thank you, Lord, that he's there. Amen? But that's not what he wants. That's not the best way. It's, that's not the best way to constantly be struggling. It's that there's an opposition, but you're not struggling with the opposition. That it's hard, and yet it's not hard because my race is going to be finished when it's finished. So I'm going to take it really slow. You know what our issue is as Christians? We're trying to get this race done too quick. Trying to get on. You ever have the Lord speak to you and then one day later you forget it? You're on to the next thing. Lord, I need revelation. Lord, you need to show me. Show me something, Lord. The Lord's like, I already showed you something six months ago. You still haven't gotten it yet. We need to slow down on this race. This is what the devil's tried to do, get you in your Christianity because the world's in a rat race. It tries to put your Christianity and interweave it in the rat race. And you know what we find? You never actually fully deal with stuff. You know what we do is we treat them with medicine. We kind of push them down. We think we dealt with issues. You think you've dealt with your unforgiveness. You think you dealt with your bitterness, with your worry, with your fear, with your pride until... And the devil wants to get you so busy that you don't have a chance to really even see that those issues are there. And they're popping up throughout the day and you're repenting and, okay, Lord, it was just a busy day. I'm sorry. And then you go on to the next day and we're never actually so. You know what the Lord does is he allows us sometimes to come to like a, a conclusion. And I feel like maybe that's what a lot of you have been experiencing this year. He made some things stop on purpose. He kind of put a stop in your rat race and you, don't even, you didn't even realize that's what was happening so you could realize, wow, I really haven't been dealing with things. I've just been pushing things aside. I thought I was looking unto him, but I wasn't looking unto him. Because if I was looking unto him, it says that he endured, so I must endure. 
means I must deal with it. It says, verse 6, so the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes each one he accepts as his child. Verse 7, as you endure. Everybody say endure. So this is what we're saying. It's not God's intended race, and yet it's the race we must run. Everybody say it's the race we must run. He's not punishing you and afflicting. You think it gave him pleasure to afflict Christ? When it says that it gave him pleasure, it didn't give him pleasure. It was because he, could, he saw the benefit to the price that Jesus was paying on that cross, which was all of us. You think the Lord is pleased when we are disciplined and punished? No father or mother is pleased when you have to punish your child. If you are, you need mental help. You are not fit to be a parent. We're not pleased with it, but it must be done. We, it's out of love, in fact, that we do it, that we allow it. You allow hard things sometimes for your children, and they're crying and they're squirming to get out of a particular situation, and you make them push through it or make them do it uh, because you're looking for character for the next even greater obstacle in their life. And so it says, you, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you. Come on, let's read this. God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Many times we are trying to squirm our way out of our issues, and what we real, must realize is, is, again, that that pressure is not there by God, but God will use the things, whatever it is. It can be anything. It's honestly unlimited because we all have different pressures, and we all have different pressure points, right? We all have a different button, but we all have them. And the Lord allows them to get pushed so that we realize, wow, there's junk in me. I still got issues in me. Lord, help me. I'm now I'm going to really look to you, not just say thank you for salvation and grace and mercy. Thank you for that as well. But Lord, you're going to have to help me walk through what you walk through so that I can deal with this. It says... Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. How is God going to grow you and to strengthen you and teach you if you never have to face anything? If you took your kids to karate 
Now, most of kids' karate is not really karate. It's aerobics <laughs> for the young ones, right? Until you get to the real levels where they start to get serious. If you took those kids and you gave them their aerobics classes of karate, and then they were like, I took karate as a kid, and now they're an adult that never actually really pushed through to become a real karate athlete, right? And you put them in a match, what's going to happen? They're not going to do very well, are they? But they have to go to matches as they start to grow and start to strengthen. The teacher can teach them, and it's like, okay, now I don't, it's not that I want you to suffer, but I want you to go and face this opposition so that you will find what? Two things, your strengths and your weaknesses, so that then you can even boost up your strengths even more, and you can start to pad those weaknesses that you had. Amen? So the Lord has allowed issues, he's allowed things, he's allowed pressures not to make you suffer uh, for suffering's sake, but so that we would become holier and holier. And what is holiness? All it is. It's not, it's, it sounds like a religious word, but it's not. You know what holiness is? It's separated. Separated. That's what that word means. It sounds so religious in our, in our modern times. Holy. God's holy. It means that he's not like us. He's not like the world. He is separated from this world and from this system. So in order for you to be separated from this world system, it means that you must face worldly issues, worldly things, and deal with them in an unworldly, otherworldly, supernaturally deal with natural things and get through them. And what happens to us when we do that? Who's been through an issue with the Lord? and the Lord's helped you, and you've been obedient, what happens to you? You feel amazing. You feel like, wow, I can do this race. It boosts you up, and it also does this. It also simultaneously reveals the issues in your heart. I can do this, but Lord, I don't like how I handled that, and you're right. That wasn't right. I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that, etc. And, and let me just wrap this up to where I wanted to get to. I wanted to get to verse 12, so let's just read verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Do I need to preach to say that line again? Or do we all know that? All the boys in here can say amen. The girls got it easy. Your discipline did not hurt. The one time you got spanked twice at best. Boys, five times a day. Because we were bad, though. We, we deserved it. Deserved everyone. I don't hold anything against my parents. I deserved every single one. I got it easy. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest. The pain, everybody say, the pain is necessary, right? The workout people can say, no pain, no gain. It's the pain that brings the gain that you're looking for. Amen. There is a pain that you may be going through, that you've been experiencing, and, and it's so that you are going to have this gain. You're going to have a harvest. The Lord is, is just, I want you to look up today. Look up. Look up again. Your redemption is near. Your pain has, been, it has not been for no reason. Those that have gone through and have kept looking at the Lord and have kept their eyes on Him and have been dealing with issues, your harvest is coming. It's coming. And so to close, verse 12, take a new grip with your tired hands, strengthen your weak knees, mark out a straight path. You see how 
we read verse 1 and 2, and you've heard that preached so many times, and then we don't read the next verses, which are sandwiched in. Verse 12 and 13 is the end of the sandwich here. Mark out a straight path for your feet. For what? For the race that we're talking about. This whole thing is one picture. That's the race. That's the enduring. Is that you must run it, and you must go through it, and you must just endure. Endure what? That punishing, that pain, because it's bringing a holiness. It's bringing a separation. It's making you more and more like Christ with you not doing it necessarily. <laughs> You're not doing it in your own strength. You know it's Jesus in you because you know yourself, but you, you get addicted to the real high, to the best high there ever is of relying on him and him getting you through the issue and dealing with an issue and coming out and saying, wow, you know, there's a natural high, right? Endorphins are, uh, you have that pain and then you get that harvest and there's a natural endorphin high, right? That you get from, that, from going through a pain get to the other side of the pain and when you have that you know that cool down time you have a natural high that's happening and i'm telling you if you get that with the lord if you really in, embrace what the lord has has allowed us and you embrace those those spiritual endorphins you're going to be on a spiritual high you're going to be on a, a you're going to feel like even though it's harder than you ever faced, you're going to feel like you've never been before. And so it says, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Amen. Amen. I just want to bless you again. We just thank you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord, that you're going to do it. Lord, we're not going to just look to you and be lazy about it. But we're going to look to you and say, Lord, I want to please you. I want to do what you've asked me to do. Lord, I don't want to hold on to flesh any longer. And I don't want to be stuck, Lord God, in this place any longer of fear and worry and doubt and all that mess the enemy's trying to keep us in. That's what the world has. But, Lord, we're going to be more than conquerors. We're going to finish the race set before us. I thank you, Jesus, that, Holy Spirit, you are, even this morning, shining a light on areas that have been restricting us, like verse 1 says, that's slowing us down. And Lord, we just thank you, Jesus, that those things are coming out of us right now, supernaturally. We're going to finish what you've told us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.